Live from the Talking Joe Studios. Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Hey, 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 it's me, Mark, and welcome to another episode of Talking Joe. And as we're recording this, we're live. We are not live later on when it is pre-recorded, as always. So today we will be looking specifically at the After Action Reports, Volume 2. It will be a 144-page book. It will cover all English-language G.I. Joe comic books, officially licensed by Hasbro, published by Image, Devil's Due Publishing, Dreamwave and Hasbro from 2001 to 2008. Plus, it will have lots of extra things like the fun publishing comics and magazines from 2008, as some might call it, and to 2017, which no one calls it. The Of Direction Report will be an informative, easy-to-use, in-hand guidebook that is both a checklist and a photo guide to all of the versions and covers of the comics produced during the Devil's Due era, an era that we are very fond of and very invested in doing our Devil's Due uh, shows at the moment. Uh, and it's currently as a Kickstarter, so you can all get involved in that. And with me today to talk about it is one of the men behind that project. It is Josh Egerbean. Here we go. Josh, Hello. welcome. Hello, everybody. How do you pronounce your surname? I probably made a mess of that, didn't I? Nope, you said it right. Egerbean. Right Excellent. on the moon. So where are we finding you uh, today? It looks sunny. Well, I am uh, currently in a park in Salt Lake City. I uh, generally live in Moab, and that's where my comic vault is with all my comics, so I usually do podcasts from there, but I'm an Uber Lyft driver, so I got taken away to Salt Lake last night, so thought I'd sit in the park and get a little outdoor air, and, you know, because comics are always indoors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I do try and sometimes on a hot day sit on the, sit on the chair, recline in the garden, and uh, break out a comic book and try not to sweat too much yeah uh, you can't get watermarks on a comic book (laughs) yeah but you know you know some books some books are there for reading well all books are there for reading first and foremost in my uh in my mind um so so that's great and the magic of technology uh you're finding yourself on 5g out in the the middle of uh open air talking to us live that's uh fantastic um, so uh, it's probably worth uh, worth point, you know noting at this point you're part of a, a tag team behind yes. this amazing project, uh, and sadly uh, Roger Taft, your co-conspirator, is not with us to, today as he's been uh, somewhat uh, un- unwell. So yes, um, back uh, but, at home now. But yeah, basically the update is is we were in MegaCon at uh uh at the end of may and then he had health problems and was in the hospital has have been posted um he's home now but he's still not well um so i get to hold the fort down until he's well again um we are very much a team yeah so basically with with the roger and i just kind of breaks down to like a i'm like the pl- copy and paste guy and he's the design guy i mean that's rough estimates of course uh, for the both books. And so he's, uh, 
very much still under the weather. And uh, Joe Fest is about two weeks away from now. We will have a booth there. And I don't know if Roger will be able to make it or not, but I will definitely be there um, representing and we'll have the booth in the book. Excellent stuff. And uh, and yeah, the the uh, the JoeCon uh, kind of date is is key, I guess, to your your timing of when your um, Kickstarter is finishing. So uh, we've got 23 days to go and that that timing isn't arbitrary, right? That correct got a logic behind that. Yeah. So we, we basically uh, and thank you to all the fans. We premiered the Kickstarter on the first day we were at Megacon in uh, late May and we funded in two days. The first volume took three weeks to fund. Um, so we were really surprised at how fast it funded with, with those two days. Um, and then we planned it to end a week after Joe Fest. So, uh, you know, what we discovered on the first one was that people got home and were like, oh, let's let's fund the book. So mm. that's why that's why our dates were I think we we're like uh, 40 days or something. So definitely a little longer, but it was focused around our two events where we were in person. Yeah, it must have been like all of the word of mouth since your volume one came out that uh, that now much more people know about it versus the the first Kickstarter that people have found out after the event and now they can get in on the ground floor on volume two. Yeah, I, I, and you know the this was the thing that Roger and I, when we came up with this concept of the book, it's like there's nothing else out there like this. Um, a guidebook for all the different covers, you know, and like the for volume one, it's the Marvel era. So it's basically more of along the lines of direct market newsstand and Canadian price and, you know, second prints and stuff. And that's in the era before they used different covers, but they were, they are different covers. And so now we're into the devil's due era where it's literally ABC or a different cover. And, you know, it's been that way now for 20 years. So, you mm. know, and, and eventually we'll get to volume three, which is IDW and all their crazy covers. So it's like <laughs> more, more, more on the insanity level. Um, but, you know, so that's what this book is about. It's a, a comic guidebook to help collect comics. And is specifically for G.I. Joe, it's all these variants. So now, like I said, with volume one, we spent, you know, over a year getting that one all finished and ready. And it's in hand now. And you can go to afteractionreport.net and buy it right away. Or you can go on the Kickstarter and do a, a volume one and a volume two um uh backer uh, and get both of them at the same time with all the extras but if you just buy it on the website you you'll get it much sooner volume one i'm talking about volume two is right 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 volume there we two go. So i was just trying has... to find it so there's a combo pack after yes. action report volume one and volume two um but people if if people go this option they they're not necessarily gonna have to wait a huge amount extra extra time because you're not starting you're not starting the book in 23 days time. Right. <laughs> that, that was one of the many lessons that we learned. Um, Cause basically in 2020, so uh, Roger and I have been friends for a really long time and we've done a lot of GI Joe stuff online with Yojo and, you know, international comics and all kinds of stuff like that, where, where uh, him and I have interacted for a long time on comics. And he called me during the 2020 shutdown of, with the COVID and says, Hey, do you want to do a project that'll take a year? And that turned out to be <laughs> volume one. 
Um, and we did the Kickstarter first because we didn't know if anybody was interested. I mean, obviously, there's all these toy guides from like Mark Belmo, James Cavanaugh, Carson, Dan, uh, Dan Klingensmith. Like those guys have done some really fantastic books. Um, yeah. and, and I know you, you've covered them on your shows. Um, so we were like, well, let's see. And then, of course, you know, like I said, it took three weeks to fund volume one out of the four weeks that we ran it. And then we went over uh, and we did four stretch goals. Um, so it was really successful. And it, again, like we said, we were kind of like testing the market. Do people want a book on G.I. Joe comics? And apparently they do. So thank you all. Um, and uh, so now we're at volume two. So what we did is we we're basically about 85 percent done with volume two. And now we're running the Kickstarter compared to running it before we made volume one because we didn't we didn't want to have to make people wait a year so as soon as we get all the funds from volume two then then we will uh very likely send it to the printer within just a couple weeks of that you know we have final touches and all that stuff um and mm -hmm. then uh hopefully there'll be no global shipping crises or whatever <laughs> i mean our volume one sat on a boat for three weeks in Long Beach Port in California, you know, we're like, okay, well, we can't do anything about that. And then so, so that was, you know, obviously that stuff's out of our control. So, but the, the idea is that you'll have the book in hand. You finish the Kickstarter here in th about 20, 20 days or so. And then uh, it should be sent to the printers and come back over. In theory, have it in hand by November or December of uh, this year. Excellent. So Excellent. and much faster. Uh, Anthony Shortbox has said, "I missed Volume One, but uh, as we say, do not fear because uh, you can back it. Uh, you can include it in uh, your Kickstarter uh, pledge, or you can head on over to AfterActionReport.net today." Yep. Right. Yep. If you want it very much sooner than later for Volume One, but you don't get any of the stretch goals. If you buy it on the on the website, oh, uh, okay. you'll get this the volume two stretch goals. If you do that package plus the combo, and yeah. who's when you when you all of these uh, all of these books will get back from their boat from China? Will who who's uh, who's being lumbered with all of the packing it and shipping it out? Uh, that'd be me and Roger. Uh, <laughs> Roger Roger lives in uh, uh, Florida and has a uh, a shop. Uh, it's called Atomic Age artifacts and it's a collectible uh, -huh. uh store so he has plenty of space for storage and stuff like that so he, he gets the burden of uh doing the shipping although i will help him on the day when it arrives but uh like i said i live in moab utah so it's a long way away from everything <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so one of those places where we, you know when people ask uh, ask how long it'll take to get somewhere before you even know the destination you can say it's going to be a long time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right. so so but it made you, way um, more sense to have uh, roger do all of the shipping because you know like i said we don't live near each other but you know i, I make it over there to orlando fair enough amount of times because joe fest has been there and we've attended the last two joe fests and toylanta you know like so we just did megacon so there's a, a lot of joe related stuff going on over there in florida excellent uh let's uh kick on over to uh, the next image i've got so 
let, yeah, let's talk about a bit about the the main cover. So, so you've uh, magically been able to get uh, Josh Blaylock, the main yeah. man behind the Devil's Due era of comics, to to do you your cover. What a coup! If yeah. anyone's going to do it, he's got to be the number one, surely. So he did the sketch, which you can see the full sketch on the left, and then on the right of the screen there is the colored version. So he did the sketch, and then he had his Devil's Due crew uh, do the coloring and the inking. And so uh, it's the first time that he, him or any of Devil's Due people have done a cover since 2008. So as you said, it's mm. very much a coup. Um, it's very, very cool that he was able to do that for us. And, you know, I mean, obviously the book is his era. You know, he as the guy who got the license in 2001 and brought thousands of G.I. Joe fans back to the comic shops and back to collecting comic books, it's a pretty big deal that he he did it back in 2001 so we're honored that he did it for us we will have a full cover reveal again as we spoke about roger that was roger was gonna do the reveal but he's under the weather still so we'll get to that eventually uh Excellent. probably yeah. in a few days to show the full cover with all the title but you can see a little bit on the right and the left there yeah as you, as you say that sort of that launch kind of uh from from josh blaylock sort of brought a lot of people back to the G.I. Joe comics, all of these lapsed people who might, you know, might have been just following G.I. Joe and, and having it back in the shops is enough for them to, you know, get back in and uh, pick up the book. I think, I think I'd pretty much lapsed from comics uh, at that, at that point, because I'd, you know, gone away to university and, you know, moved on to, to less childish things, I guess. And, but, but, you know, seeing G.I. Joe, come come out uh did bring me back into the comic book shop and uh if i was buying anything i would always still buy uh gi joe through that that era uh i think it was was it much the same with the with with you was it gi joe brought you back again yeah i, I mean it's a huge trend for our generation all the you know gen x people who were born in the last 70s mostly you know to do exactly as you said you know like we collected the comics and we collected the toys when we were you know 10 years old and younger and by the time we got to high school everybody was like ah, i don't want to deal with toys anymore because it wasn't collecting it was just playing with them and then by the time you get to around 2001 we're all in our 20s and you know and have money and jobs and it's like wait a minute the gi joe's back in the comic shop oh great great i'm back into comics and toys and it's a very clear pattern that happened to most of us, not all of us, but, you know, I mean, like Roger, I know uh, he he was working in a comic shop and, and uh, so he kind of never really went away from collecting G.I. Joe, which was actually part of the inspiration for these books. Like he wanted to write a book in the 1990s on all the toys and everything and comics and everything. Like that. But then, of course, you know, it didn't happen. And then other people wrote books for toys. And so that was taken. And then so he, that's when he came to me in 2020 and was like, hey, Josh, I know you have all the comics because you, you never stopped collecting from 2001. So when I walked into the shop, which happened to be on a, uh, right across the street from where Devil's Do actually made the comics books in Chicago that oh, wow. comes up there. Yeah, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, uh, I, I saw it was issue number three was Zartan. And, um, so I, I bought that one. I bought number one and two, and then I bought the preview and then I went home and the wonderful world of eBay opened up to me. <laughs> <laughs>
So I did that. And uh, my first purchase, I actually, because you can kind of look that stuff up. It's hard to, you have to, so, but my first purchase was uh, some Action Force comics from the UK that I had known about, but I had never got. So I bought like the whole run, all 50 of them. And at the time it was like $40. Like, you know, it's ridiculous. Then, you know, I I was like, oh, that's a lot. Now it's like, you know, you could never get $40. So that was the beginning of me coming back to collecting. I mean, as a collector myself, I had always gotten every issue. Um, I was a completist collector before I even knew what the word was uh, (laughs) in the eighties. You know I mean? I bought a bag, like those number 35s, 36, 37, 38, like they came bagged with a card. So I bought a bagged one and then I bought another one so I could open it. So that's what, that was my, my official completist version of collecting, um, that, uh, I did, like I said, I didn't even know the word and I didn't even really know what I was doing. I was probably 12 or something, 13 at the time. But uh, <laughs> now as a collector, like I collect anything G.I. Joe that's printed, that's comic related, that looks like a comic or is a parody or actual comic. Every co- every cover got about close to 6,000 and I got wow. a whole bunch of them from the different other countries. I got like 12, 12 different languages in 25 countries or something like that. I don't have full runs, of course. But that's actually a volume that we're going to do in the future, be volume four and volume five. We're doing international ones. Nice. And how does uh, Roger's collection of comics compare to yours? Um, So he didn't really collect the IDW era, so he doesn't have a whole lot of those. Um, And uh, I I kept going. So I have all of the pretty much about, I'd say, 90, 95% of the comics uh, from... The IDW era, but Roger didn't continue with IDW. So he had all of the Marvels and the Devils do and a ton of international ones. Um, mm-hmm. So we have very common, you know, conversations about those eras. And he's been picking up some IDW ones here and there, but I got all of them. So that's why he, <laughs> that's why he kind of came to me. But I mean, it's like probably 30 short boxes of just IDW ones. So it's a lot. What? Crikey. Right. Yeah, that's well, one of those variants. Yeah, I mean, it's not just like the real American hero continuity. It's the crossovers and the, you know, the Hasbro universe ones with Rom and Mask and all those too. So yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Um, and you're talking about yeah your first your first issue that you picked up from the Devil's Due era, the one with um, Zartan on yeah, the front cover. So uh, uh, the a story behind that, which you probably know already, is that. Um, that that J. Scott Campbell cover was ori- originally drawn uh, with Zanya, uh, Zartan's daughter, on the back of the swamp skier, but uh, Hasbro said that it was too sexualized, and they're like, eh, you know, it was a dad and his daughter. But anyway, so um, they had to go and revise it, and so the published version is is different to the original concept. So out there somewhere is a is a different version of that that cover. I have heard that. Um, um... You know, part part of uh, what we're doing in volume two is we've interviewed a whole lot of the different creators. We got interviews with Blaylock, um, with Tim Seeley, uh, Mark Powers, Marshall Dillon. Um, and they all kind of talk about like how, you know, Hasbro was very like restrictive with them compared to what they were with La- Larry Hama in Marvel. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many people really remember this, but 
G.I. Joe issue number one came out on September 12th, 2001 here in America. Mm. And of course, you know, that's one day, you know, after our, our country was attacked. So it's very kind of like lost in the muddle there of, of that, all the, how our world changed, but it was very much a part of that. And, you know, J- Josh Blaylock, when we interviewed him was, is very aware of the, how that was like, you know, as time has gone on, he's like, that was a key point of the book being released on that day. And of course, you know, there was no delays or anything like that because it was just, you know, the day after, and you know, our world was different from September 10th to September 12th. So, but Mm -hmm. we got our first GI Joe comic book and that uh, on, you know, to bring joy and happiness to us on those dark times. (laughs) So, yeah, absolutely. But you know, so, 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 you know, the the interviews and a lot of the focus of our books is basically like that kind of uh time frame of how in 2001 when he brought it back you know he brought gi joe fans back to the comic shop he brought gi joe fans back to buying toys all as we just spoke about a little bit earlier and it's a very key moment and, and you know maybe i mean like the the, the this last weekend top gun maverick was like the number one massive awesome movie, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife <laughs> and you know yep. Jurassic Park now all bring back the original cast and things like this. So, you know, there's like a through line to that 80s nostalgia that he was able to usher in in the comic world but also beyond that. And so it's very yeah. much we're we're trying to focus on that um as, you know, again, you know when you're talking 21 years later, it's very cool in retrospect to see how important some of these things are at the time, you never know. So, and, and, you know, I think Josh Blaylock himself feels that, uh, he feels like he was a big part of that. So it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, in the interviews that we got for him, we got a lot of pages in there of his interview kind of following his path. Cause I mean, he's still publishing. I mean, devil's do publishing is still publishing, you know, new original content today. Like they do Kickstarters and stuff like that. So, he never gave up on publishing. I mean, it was like his passion for life and everything. So it's very, very, very much a part of him. So I got some people passing me here. They're going to go play soccer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, uh, was, uh, but yeah, and, it was the dev, the dev was due books very much spearheaded kind of, yeah, that, that kind of nostalgic uh, element of bringing back these pro- much loved properties that yeah. people had, in, you know, loved in their, in their youth and sort of bringing it back and modernizing it. Um, and, and sort of the precursor to that, just a few months ahead of uh, Josh Blaylock launching Devil's Due, uh, G.I. Joe number one was, um, or image number one, uh, was uh, was the wizard sort of articles with um, the, the J. Scott Campbell uh, yeah. artwork, which kind of had that amazing G.I. Joe um, art and kind of influenced, I think, Josh to, to then tap him up to do the covers. Are you going to be featuring uh, some of that in the... Um, uh, the wizard I mean, work in, in the book. The uh, it, it's interesting because we've kind of run out of pages and we had planned that, so it's on the bubble right now. Um, we are doing some of the previews that like uh, the Devil's Do was on the cover of the previews magazine. Um, we are putting that in there, but uh, the 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 wizard ones we're gonna try. We still got about five or six pages that are. We have to figure out what to use uh, for volume two, mm-hmm. which is why the book's not 100 percent done, because, you know, kind of when you're making these book, these books, it's like, what do you put in? And the, the this was a huge lesson that we learned between from from issue one or volume one 
was like the interviews turn out to be quite difficult because it's like just like what, what what I'm doing here where I'm doing a video. Well, we would transcribe that to to uh, you know written word, and then you try you get like fifty pages of written words that you got to put down into three words and you got to get rid of the ums and ahs and yeah you know uh how you know all this kind of stuff that in conversation we say but when you read it on a page it's like um okay what are we doing here so we we learned a really hard lesson that way and that was a delayed us you know probably a month trying to sort out the interviews so we've already gotten all the interviews done for volume two now they're all transcribed and edited and like I said, we gave Josh Blaylock a lot more pages. So we, we, we actually incorporated a lot more interview pages from the beginning for mm-hmm. volume two that we didn't really incorporate for volume one. Cause so, so we had to cram like volume one's interview pages into like, you know, just a few pages. So now we had more freedom, a little more space. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. You, uh, the sort of, an interview that is spoken suddenly becomes in a transcript massive. I feel oh, like, like yeah. we spoke to Josh Baylock for like two hours. That's probably like book length just on his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, again, like it's ridiculous when you look at it, how many times do you hear people go, um, uh, yeah, you like, you know, uh, like, like. <laughs> it's like hitting the Facebook button, like, like, like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so so like we said we have uh, we actually have more interviews in volume two than we had in volume one and another big thing like that we kind of realized for volume one uh volume one we had larry hama rick parker and rod wiggum and then kirk bazigian did our intro was that the uh basically like those guys it was a job right when they got gi Mm -hmm. joe and, you know, Larry Hammers talked about being in the last office on the left all the time or, you know, and, and he it was a job. Whereas like with Blaylock and almost every other comic book artist since then, it's like how much of a G.I. Joe fan are you? What were your toys that you played with when a kid? You know, because now like I like I turned 50 here in a month and most of all of the artists and stuff that you look at are. You know, they're in their 30s and 40s doing G.I. Joe work. And so they were in the same time frame as as us, you know, as kids mm-hmm. and then, you know, returning with Devil's Due. And, you know, many of them, many of those artists were just starting their career. And now, you know, 20 years later, like they're the main artists for the G.I. Joe comics. And, you know, they kind of like, oh, yeah, when I was 20, I was, you know, reading G.I. Joe back then, too. Or, you know, or at least they were in the shops again. So, so that, that that's a kind of our 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 focus is the the different books and the way it's been, um, and of course, after we do volume two, we're we're doing volume three and we're calling it Larry Hama's Real American Hero IDW, um, and that's going to be one fifty five to three hundred, and of course, we can't finish that book till they release three hundred. And we're really yeah. hoping that they don't do 300 covers for 300. <laughs> have you have you tried to figure out the maths on it yet? On on how many covers there, there actually the, are? And the, uh, well, right now, so um, like I said, I'm uh, I'm an Uber driver, so I kind of have you know my own schedule I make. But my car broke in February, so I couldn't work for about two weeks while I was driving. So what I did is I decided to just make volume three. So I so we already have volume three's pages from 155 to 250 pretty much 100 percent, and that's 80 pages of the <laughs> volume uh-huh. three 
And that's only the 250, so we still got another 50 to go. So there really won't be in volume three much beyond Larry Hammond's 155 to 300. Um, so I mean, I, I honestly I don't know how many covers it is, but it's a lot. Yeah, and I, yeah. So and you know, obviously for 300, there probably be 100 covers. I mean, if they do 50 <laughs> covers for Snake Eyes Dead Game, I mean, why wouldn't they do? You know, everybody gets in on the all all these comic shops all around America. Like, yes, let's make a GI Joe cover, which. Yeah. And for me, as a completist, it's so fun, right? I love it, but my wallet totally hates me. My wallet is always like, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. Then, but the co completist collector in me is like, I'm buying it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, sort of a, tip, a regular issue for a while was getting like seven variants. would be like, you know, yeah. a a B retailer incentive, and then there'd be like lots of store incentives and convention. There would be, it'd be just yeah. You get to a normal issue like maybe something like two ninety one or something, and it would just have seven covers and be like, this isn't even a you know, <laughs> yeah, <there's> a, <laughs> a landmark issue. It's just a regular plain issue. Yeah, so there's cool story going on, but like even the covers don't even really match the story or anything, you know. So it's very interesting like that, and you know, like I said, I'm as a completist collector, I've got all i mean the majority of all three of the volumes plus some of the international stuff is all comics that are in my collection which is the main reason we were able to to pull off doing these books because i can just scan it you know and mm. i pull it out of my box and scan it and you know it's in the book so uh you know that and roger knew i had this big collection so when he contacted me in 2020 he's like hey let's do this because you know we could so you know, and it's just like many of the toy collectors like James and them, they all have these massive collections and they can pull out the toy and take the photo of it. So it's kind of in the same category like that with, you mm -hmm. know, James Cavanaugh's books and stuff. So I guess it, you, <laughs> you can probably you can probably make it tax deductible or something now as well. Right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, we're not making hardly any money. I don't think we actually made any money on these books, so I don't think I can claim it as tax. But it might be worth trying. <laughs> yeah i mean the amount is the amount of money you must spend on variants it might be worth <laughs> having yeah, a look <laughs> exactly yeah yeah the, the the mailbox has always got some kind of like slip saying hey you got a package but yeah every probably at least two a week i'm sure still but uh that's why i'm an uber driver okay. i drive a lot so i'm like i can buy more <laughs> comics i don't need to eat i don't need to eat but I need to buy comics. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, okay, let's move on. I think the next one is the big reveal. So, yes. so th th you had... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say you had a stretch goal of uh, $13,000. And yep. you've just very recently matched that. Yeah. Or met that. Uh, so let's have a firework effect. Nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and there we go. And that meant that uh that we could that we've been given the exclusive reveal of the uh of the back cover for the book. So you uh, why don't you tell us uh about the, the cover and how it came about and, and what the I guess the theme of the cover means to you. So uh obviously the artwork is Lady J and spoiler 20 year old spoiler alert she dies <laughs> and so that was the theme um on the back cover 
of volume one, we put Scarlet in the middle and we had Stalker and Snake Eyes on one side. So we kind of are going with the same theme with Lady J in the middle and that's Hawk and Duke at her gravesite. Um, and the artwork was done by Tim Seeley. It has not been colored yet or inked, uh, but that's pretty close to what will be the li likely the final. But it was very cool that Tim Seeley was able to do that. And of course, he worked on like all kinds of G.I. Joe books and was part of the group of, uh, you know, the original, you know, Devil's Due crew. So, I mean, he had mm -hmm. his finger on many, many of the different series. So it was very cool that he would uh, do that cover for us. And, of course, you know, like that's our theme with the, the, a lady in the middle and the guys on the side. Um, and as we said, this is the first time we're revealing it because we just hit 13,000. It was interesting because we funded so quickly, our stretch goals were like way under what we were by the time we, you know, got to the, uh, you know, after our 48 hours of funding, we were way past our original stretch goals. So it took us about a week to sort out, like, what are we doing next? Um, and mm -hmm. of course, the back cover was the stretch goal from number one. Um, and that that was uh, um, art by Rod Wiggum and then colored by Tom Feaster for number one. So this one, uh, we haven't figured out the colors for this one. But like, uh, so we got Tim to do it. When you're interviewing him, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll totally do it. And again, he hadn't done a G.I. Joe cover or any G.I. Joe art in like 15 years or something. You know, I mean, these guys do sketches at conventions and things like that, but actual yeah, yeah. artwork on a book. So it was very exciting that he, he agreed to do that. And as you can see on the screen, there it is. Rest in peace, Lady J. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Excellent. Yeah look forward to that yeah again as, as you say sort of when you when it comes to to that era um tim's tim seeley as the artist is is the name that you know comes to mind because he had uh such a long run with uh brandon jawa um a few issues before the, before that run and then also as as a writer and doing the odd issue here here and there after that as, as well that um yeah more than more than any other artist is he's the guy that i associate with the devil's due uh era yeah, and then he did uh, uh, volumes three and volume four of the uh, GI Joe Transformers crossover. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Where where he he literally just threw in every mythology from both franchises and was like, "Let's do this, let's do that." Matrix leadership, Joe Colton, Adventure Team, you know, the Yetis <laughs> and uh, Unicron. It's like, okay, it's all in there. Let's put it in there. <laughs> so those are some pretty <laughs> cool stories that Tim got. Tim wrote, and he talks about that in the interviews, and we put that in the book, so it's pretty cool. But, uh, you know, that was like where he had a little more free reign and Hasbro was like with the main book was what, a, a lot more restrictive because, again, mm -hmm. post 9-11, you know, with all the military and with terrorism being real compared to a fictional Cobra commander. So the Devils do really ran into a lot of different issues and Hasbro was mm -hmm. changing people in and out and stuff like that. So, it's, it's, it's you know, it was a different era, different time and. You know, they, they definitely had a much harder time, probably even now than IDW has. So it's yeah, the, yeah, we yeah. touched upon that, the difficulties they had in dealing with that. And, you know, I mean, again, our world changed so quickly. And, you know, all these companies had to adjust just kind of like with COVID. All of a sudden COVID hits us and all these companies have to adjust. And, you know, now we got me, me and Roger made two books out of it. Whereas if COVID hadn't come, we probably never, we never made these books. But, you know, you get free time and all this stuff. So these things happen and, you know, inspiration happens. So it's very cool. Yeah. Well, you know, it's great. It's great that you made the most of just the opportunity, you know, turn, turned what was a, 
you know, a challenge for many into and into this opportunity. Sort of very easy to kind of, you know, let time go by, but but actually to produce produce something takes, you know, some yeah, real kind of uh, effort and sort of rewarding to have something come out on the. Yeah, and Roger and I are rookie bookmakers. I mean, you know, Carson and James Cavanaugh helped us a tremendous amount with like advice and design work and stuff like that. So we had some really great, you know, other GI Joe guys who've made great books to really rely on and jump off from. So we, we, we you know, that, 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 you know, at this point now we're kind of like on our own with the designs because, you know, our book looks a little different than the rest, but those mm-hmm. guys helped us a lot. So got to give them crop props and credit and they're still out there making books. I mean, Carson's thing was out insane. Mm-hmm. how high he did and now james cavanaugh's got the uh, collector's club i think you did uh interviews with both of them for that stuff right uh no i did i did i talked to carson but i've i've not spoken to to james okay uh, I, th- I think it might have been order of battle i did a very good interview with him oh yes um i listened to that not too long ago that's uh yeah if you want to find out more about the club check go go check that out that's a, a good chat chat that they had uh and uh, yeah, it's, it's good that the community, yeah, sort of is so, uh, you know, comes together and supports one another in the different in- endeavors. It nev- never feels like there's too much, uh, you know, competitiveness in terms of feeling like one person is succeeding at the expense of another. It's, you know, very much, you know, let's, we're, you know, we, we all love this brand and, and these, these different, you know, the toys, the comics, yeah, let's celebrate them together. Yeah, exactly. And there's those, the, the, the the action force books too, like that, you know, the big hardbound. I got the first one and kickstarted the second one. And it seems like in the last like 2022, there's just like one Kickstarter after another that just is funding super quick. And so very lucky and proud. Thank you, Joe community for allowing me and Roger to be a part of this. And we, uh, we're doing our own little niche, but you know, without, without backers and the money that comes in from Kickstarter, you can't get these books printed <laughs> I mean, you know, that's not cheap. Yeah, but you've done, you've paid your dues, you've paid your devil's dues because ah. you, you're not, <laughs> you're not new to the community, are you? Because, because uh, you were no. sort of big on, um, uh, big in uh, YoJo on yeah. uh, on the comic side. Because when you were doing this project, I was like that. Josh, I recognize that name. Where's, where have I seen that name? I've seen that <laughs> name loads of places. Where, where and then I was like, oh, right. It's like when I ever go into Devil's Due and look at look at the you know the comics yep. reviews, and I scroll down to the bottom. Oh uh, yeah, there, there it we is. go. Summary <laughs> by Josh Egavine. Uh, yep. This is this is GI Joe issues thirty three that I've got on the screen. The road less traveled which is the uh, the last one that me, Tim, uh, uh, <laughs> me, Tim and Jay talked about on the, on the Devil's Due show. Yes, yes. So, it, I, I mean, what was, was interesting as, you know, so there was a, um, a G.I. Joe comic book forum called G.I. Joe Reloaded that was created by Phil Cost. Uh, and Phil's not really so much in the community anymore, but, you know, he was a huge part of that early mm. time frame with forums and, and, you know, all that stuff when, when so many of us were learning about each other and meeting each other and being like, that guy's got a big collection and that guy knows this and that guy knows that. And, you know, like the, <laughs> and it became like the GI Joe declassified group that's been at many of the conventions and things like that. So a lot, a lot of though, you know, with like bringing re- really rare stuff and, you know, but in the early 2000s, that's how we all found each other. 
And that's actually uh, one of one of our intros is uh, from Justin Bell, who runs General Joe's. It's called mm-hmm. Reborn now. But he uh, he's done he's done an intro for us for the book. We actually have another intro from Sam Wells too. This is for volume two. But he talks very much about how that community kind of rose up, right? I mean, you know, GI Joe was always kind of divided between twelve inch guys and you know the three and three quarters, and then you know it became comics, and you know then as Hasbro goes along, you get all these other iterations and stuff like that, and you know it gets very divided. But I think now, you know, I it's it's come back together where the with uh, these different facebook groups where everybody can be a part of every facebook group whereas back in Mm -hmm. the day in the early early times the forums like everybody wasn't there you know because everybody wasn't on the internet and didn't have phones and all that kind of stuff you know what i mean like to really be able to just scroll through and look at look at all this stuff you had to really invest and you know everybody had a code name (laughs) my my code name was (laughs) antarctica So if you ever saw any posts on any of that stuff, you know, because the Devil's Due form was way ahead of his game. I mean, like, you know, yeah. Josh was selling comic books in 2001 over the Internet um, from his website. Um, so, you know, like that, that's a whole nother aspect of of. Uh, and uh, as I was saying, Justin Bell is, has done a, a really cool like introduction about how the community has, you know, kind of transitioned from one thing to another and. But like, and so many of us are all still around. I mean, like, you know, very active. You go to Joe Fest. I'm like, yeah, I know you for 20 years now. (laughs) I I, I (laughs) didn't meet you in person until I was at some Joe, one of the Joe cons, you know, which are now, you know, no longer happening. But like, so that aspect of our community is very much still very active out there. And, you know, again, that all came about because of issue number one with image and devils do. Yeah, and the Devil's Due forums, like you said, so it's so forward thinking and ahead of its time. It's, you know, 2001, you know, internet is a different place to, to you know, it, it is today. You know, Facebook is still a few years away from being invented. And yeah, um, I was, th- yeah, I was there every single day, basically logging into the Devil's Due forums to just, yeah. you know, chat, chat all things well, G.I. Well, Joe. And did you have a, did you have an avatar name or code name? Yeah, I think I called myself Sparky on, on Sparky. that. Okay. There was a uh, few uh, a few Brits, so we'd sort of typically sort of fill up the forum overnight, and then all of the the Yanks would log in the next morning and be like, "Oh, the Brits have been in, and they've you know put in all of their comments." And <laughs> so there was yeah a handful of us who would uh, in the UK who would be um, you know quite active on on there. So I, I yeah I set my avatar for a while as being uh, a little gnome on a computer. Because they, because someone commented that uh, that yeah, the the sort of the Brits would come in like little sort of worker gnomes, you know, like you know the like in that fairy tale about the gnomes making um, uh, making like the the shoes in the, oh, in the right. shoemaker's shop <laughs> overnight. So yeah, cobbling, it's cobbling away over overnight on the on the forums and then coming back and finding what uh, what we'd done. So yeah, it was I was there every, yeah every, almost every day and uh, occasionally told off for for going on when i shouldn't be <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was always holding the fort for comics even then i because like i i don't have i have the toys i have my figures that i had when i was a kid but i don't collect the toys the only, the only toys i collected are the figure packs so i was always kind of like the guy in, on most of those forums is like i'm comics and then gi joe reloaded came about and that was all comics it was the first 
like mm. form for all comics. And so I, uh, Bill Cost was like, hey, I need to do some summaries because G.I. Joe Reloaded was a new continuity that came out. It only ran for 13 issues. But um, so that's how I got my start with to where I am today. Uh, you know, I mean, Phil was like, put these up on, uh, you know, here's a summary. And so then I ended up with Terry Dizzard, Phil Donnelly and uh, Jeff Bowen and Roger Taff were all kind of over there with Yojo. And then they're like, hey, you want to do the comics? I was like, yeah, sure. So and as you pointed out, I did all these summaries and everything. So uh, Terry Dizzard uh, nicknamed me the silent ninja <laughs> Joe editor because I would just post up, do all the work. And I never posted that I was doing it publicly. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the toys were like, oh, here's this reveal and that reveal. And I just put it up there. So eventually he's yeah. like, you got to post it up there. You know, every time you put something new. And so that that's kind of where I got my start and. You know, I, I basically didn't stop doing Yojo stuff until the, you know, uh, the the a new company bought it and then they locked us mm -hmm. all out. The whole drama and stuff like that. So yeah. I haven't posted anything new, and I probably will never post again on Yojo. But I ran ran from probably 2006 to 2016, so a good 10 year run of uh, the comics that are on the screen right now. So. Yeah, it's incredible, uh, incredible amount of work that must have gone into it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, hats off to you. And it, yeah, it's a shame that it we sort of only get so far into the IDW era, and then it and then it stops. But um, maybe uh, maybe somewhere like Three D Joe's will sort of pick up that mantle and and run with it. Yeah, the the I, I believe the last stuff that I did was um, the first strike uh revolution uh hasbro crossover universe stuff uh -huh. i think that i got a good portion of the beginning of all that on there and then it was done so i don't but i don't think i made it all the way to the end of that universe um but uh yeah it's, it's definitely just passion i mean you know never, never got paid for any of it i mean obviously you know we, we do these kickstarters to fund it but it doesn't pay pay us mm -hmm. any money um and you know it's just for the love of gi joe you know, it's, it's comics are my passion. I, I, you know, a long time ago, I had all kinds of Marvel ones and stuff. But I, in 2002, I actually was moving to California to, I, I worked in Hollywood for a long time. Um, and I sold all everything, but my GI Joe comics, I had like, you know, the, the, all the eighties Superman and, and, mm. you know, suicide squad stuff. And, you know, the Mar Marvel comics presents and Wolverine. I had all, all that, all that early '80s stuff, and I sold it in 2001 on eBay for thousands of dollars. So I was always happy, but I'm like, man, that that that, that, that it's tens of thousands now. But mm. you know, so you know, comics yeah. has always been my thing, you know, and and you know, in our in our world today with you know comic book movies and Disney Plus shows and all this stuff, it's like great, super awesome. Yeah, yeah. And an entire generation's growing up where they're not the geek or the nerd who's like, oh, you're a comic guy, you know, or yeah, I was gonna say there now, now it's got to a point where there just isn't enough time in the in a yeah. day to to watch all of the the comic book influenced movies and TV oh. shows and stuff like that. You know, there's just so many of them that that we're you know spoiled. I I, I got in a very interesting conversation the other day. So you know, the, like Trekkies for decades 
were looked at as like these weird people who went to conventions <laughs> and dressed up and learned other languages and were like Klingons and you know whatever and they like you know gave them a little a little Spock sign and everything and, and it's like they were just ridiculed and made fun of and total nerds and now it's like the coolest thing to do I mean I was just at MegaCon and then right after MegaCon I went to Star Wars Celebration and like the cosplay is insane and you know these are hundred thousand people showing up at these events and you know I mean you know, our, as Generation X people, we had to kind of suffer through that time frame to get to where we're making the product. Now, our generation makes these movies and, you know, makes the comics and all these things for these other generations who don't have to suffer through being, you know, subjected to being tortured by because you're a nerd because, you you know, you, you know, the difference <laughs> yeah. between Star Wars and Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just shoes on the other foot. The, yeah, the geeks shall inherit the earth. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> let's let's get back to let's okay. get back to looking at some stuff from the the book. So uh, so what we're looking at here, it's the it's a a, a sort of a sample page showing uh, you know showing some of the layout of uh, some of the regular issues and character spotlights and things like that. So that, that is one difference that we're doing from volume one to volume two. Volume one, we didn't really focus much on characters. We did do an article on Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow because you have to do that with them in number 21. Mm -hmm. But uh, Devil's Dude did a really good job of creating some really cool new characters. So we, we, we're spotlighting them. Yeah, as you can see right. on the screen there, there's like a, a panel. And, you know, we sprinkle them throughout all the different pages. And, we, you know, we we this time around and because we actually have a little bit more content than we did during the volume one we're sprinkling more of that kind of stuff in as you see there um like volume one was just very much like newsstand and you know direct market and all that kind of stuff because that that's that's what we felt we needed to explain because it was somewhat rel relatively new information for a lot of collectors mm. like i didn't know there was canadian variants whereas most people know that there was a you know, multiple covers for De Devils do. So that's what yeah, that there's, there's a few, there's a few unexpected variants as, as well on the, uh, on our Facebook group the other day, someone flagged that there was an issue where, uh, someone was going to be, a politician was going to be assassinated and in between reprints, uh, the, uh, I think the originally it looked like Dick Cheney, but they changed it to look like another politician in the subsequent uh, reprints, so there's a few subtle tweaks here and here and there as people as, as things get fixed in in reprints or in collections. I actually watched it your, the episode of yours, and I learned that was all new information to me. I didn't even know that they had done that, and yeah, you know, I know that like several of the trade paperbacks actually have original content in them in the Devil's Due era stuff. Like they have, one of them uh, has Lady J's funeral in it. Which, like, if you oh, don't wow. have that tra trade paperback, like, you wouldn't know it. It's like six or seven pages. So <laughs> we're we're highlighting that, yeah. Frankly, um, this is news to me. I think I must have never seen never seen this. It, I, I've got the um, I've got this the the Snake Eyes declassified uh, yep. trade paperback, which has that sort of silent interlude preludes story, which is really cool. But I didn't know about any of the others so yeah i'm probably yeah, missing out on some of these stories it's it's the devil's due trade paperback with the red shadows on the cover i believe it's number seven um of the original original run not 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 america's elite uh and it 
it uh, I think it's six pages and it's her funeral. Um, one okay. of the other trade paperback has um, uh, Snake Eyes and how Storm Shadow uh, captures Scarlet uh, before it, it, issue 21. Um, so, of course, that would have been now considered disavowed um, storylines. But uh, the, so the devil's do is throwing original content into the trend into the uh, trade paperbacks. So when, when, when we are putting that in the book, you have to deal with that as a, as a, you know, <laughs> it's like, you okay, wouldn't. you can't just put the cover in there and say that it was released on this day. You got to talk about it. And so, you know, the, the, these are the kind of crazy differences that we, as we've gone along and, you know, figured out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a fun trip with volume two because it's, it's a different book than volume one by a lot. So, and then, of course, as as you and it's, just, yeah, the era of the era of varying covers begins. Right. <laughs> so, well, one of the very interesting things that we uh, dis discovered that was so like the terminology of uh, what a cover is called, right, is very right. much like changed or the, some of the words weren't like retail exclusive or retail incentive weren't even real phrases and so we were like okay do we apply the modern phrase to that time or do we use the phrase they were using at the time because sometimes they didn't even call it anything it was just like a you know another cover it's not even cover b or cover <laughs> c or anything so it's like very very tricky doing that and so ultimately we just decided to call it what it was and, and then use like a logo from a modern thing so like if if they just called it C, but it was actually a retailer incentive. We put a little logo. It says retail incentive and cover C, you know, because how, how do you solve these things? You know, and again, you know, you just as, as authors, this is what we had to do to make it up. And luckily, both Roger and I are pretty much the G.I. Joe experts. So when we, oftentimes this is weird now, but we would ask other people in the community and they're like well we don't know that we would ask you that would be like uh okay so roger and i would talk about it we're like okay this is what we're gonna do so that's what we did uh it, it's, it's a very strange sensation as a human being to be like yes you're one of the top experts and uh we would ask you and i'm like wow okay so you know and roger like i said roger's got a huge huge bunch of knowledge on on, on this stuff too so that's what that makes us a really good team. He does design work. Excellent. I'm the copy and paste guy. And then we talk about it as experts to get it right. <laughs> Very good. And the sort of the variant, sort of talking into the variants as, as well. We had this sort of the uh, um, Transformers crossovers, which were, you know, very cool thing. And they, they sort of really took that ball and ran with it. But uh, as part of those variants, they, they had all of those interlocking covers, which, uh, can be yeah tricky images to kind of find uh, you know and assemble kind of so so it's cool that um, uh, that you're kind of doing that in in the book that you're having all of those interlocking covers yep. uh, up against them up against one another uh, so you can see the full image because uh, yeah, yeah, those are very very cool images. What you see there was like one of the first times they did that, but like in the IDW in Volume Three, it's like every week. Or every, I mean, every month, every covers from, so it's like, a, it, it's a consistent thing for the next, you know, 20 years of comics. <laughs> but yeah, that was one of the main things we wanted to do because they never did that in the Marvel era. 
they didn't even do a wraparound covers. So yeah, yeah. and we've got um, we've got a big new uh, uh, interlocking cover uh, variant starting with issue two nine six, I think it is the Jamie Sullivan Cobra uh-huh. lineup. Right, so, right. Uh, another yeah, very I cool saw that lineup. announcement. And also, too, speaking of crossovers, they just announced uh, an Awe Striker with Stalker that transforms into uh, <laughs> what was it? What, what's the Transformers? Yes, yeah. I'm like, that's amazing. I was like, I saw that. I was like, holy shit. Like, 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 here they go. They're, you know, now they're finally doing G.I. Joe toys as Transformers. I mean, that's, uh, I wasn't even, uh, you know, I don't buy toys usually, but I was going to buy that, but it was already sold out, which no surprise. But so, I mean, like, like, you know, like the crossover history between G.I. Joe and Transformers. I mean, it starts with like, like back in the day when, G.I. Joe was only a 12-inch, you know, toy. And so we, we actually did an article in, in Volume 1 that kind of covered the Marvel era of the crossovers, and now we're doing another article that really explains all the different crossovers. And then, of course, we'll do a third one that will uh, lead into the Hasbro universe and the Tom Scotty stuff like that for Volume 3 because it's a total... And now it's just as I realized they announced this thing, I was like, okay, now I might have to figure out how to work in is new Hasbro toys. But I mean, it's such a you know, <laughs> big deal for these crossovers and it's a long, long history. Um, so, th- so that's another thing that we we're, we're focusing on that will run through all the volumes. So it, it, that that's been fun to track because like, you know, you yeah, don't really nice. think I mean, about it. And, and they, and yeah, the guys working, Sorry, I was, I was going to say that the guys working on these uh, brands as well, uh, not just the, not that's just the comics, like the D- Devil's Due guys and the IDW guys. Um, uh, it's also the the likes of um, the the toy creators as well. They're sort of people who have grown up. Um, you know, as as GI Joe and as Transformers sort of fans, and and now they're the people you know building them, and and they want to make them as best as they can possibly be. So when you get a an awe striker that transforms into Bumblebee, that awe striker is going to look exactly like, uh, yeah. you know, exactly like an awe striker is meant to look like. It's just it's it just looks so um, you know, authentic. Uh, it's sort of quite mind boggling, really. And when I saw that, I was like, I was like, it doesn't even look like Bumblebee. It's all G.I. Joe. And then they just gave him the name Bumblebee. I'm like, it kind of <laughs> looks like Bumblebee. But, you know, yeah. Bumblebee's a yellow character from a VW bug. Like, like you know, it, I was like, it's very interesting because, you, you know, Transformers has become such a massive property well beyond G.I. Joe that they, they make a Transformers toy that's a G.I. Joe toy. But it doesn't look like a transformer toy, the the traditional <laughs> bumblebee, you know. But they're like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. we're gonna do the traditional Joe toy. So I yeah, think that was stop. really interesting to when you look at that, and it's like maybe that's Hasbro's way of trying to, you know, get GI Joe back into popular culture. I mean, Snake Eyes as a movie, you know, didn't do very well, and you know, even though they had The Rock and Retaliation, you know, that was a well well received movie, but it didn't really. S- spark a new generation but maybe a new generation of transformers toys that are gi joe can really bring in uh, you know some new new collectors 
Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe lapsed collectors, those Transformers, yeah. those those Transformers collectors who are, go, hey, you know what? Those GI Joe. Yeah, those GI Joe guys are cool. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, just had uh, my computer conk out for a little bit, but I think we're back now, and uh, we were in the middle of looking at the. Uh, Dreamwave section of uh, of the book as well. Do you want to talk a bit about that? And yeah, you've got some little exclusives there. I've, I'm not I'm not sure if I've seen these images before, but um, if I have, it was probably <laughs> probably the best part of twenty years ago when when they first were were solicited in previews or whatever. Yeah. So basically, this is the uh, volume two called "Divided Front" that Dreamwave produced. Dreamwave as a company, of course, went bankrupt after releasing only the first issue. And uh, but they did solicit, so there are covers and summaries and stuff like that. So we put those in there, um, you know, because they're out there in the world. They're very hard to find, and uh, they were on YoJo when they originally were released. So those pages are still around. But um, so we put that in there. Of course, that's uh, issues two to six. Um, and it's, you know, they were never released. And um, mm. actually in the one of the Joe cons in the 2000s, I asked, uh, I believe it was Andy Schmidt about it. And he said that they were tied up in legal because I guess Dreamwave and the artists, when they went bankrupt, w uh, aren't allowed to release that stuff. So they mm. uh IDW did make a trade paperback of the first, the World War, World, World War II series, but they, yeah. they can't get their hands on any of those issues. And obviously there's artwork out there somewhere for them, but it's locked up in legal stuff. And, you know, wow. right? Okay, I didn't realize. Yeah. So you, th you think that there's quite a good chunk of that artwork was actually produced and there's just not been seen? Yeah, at, at least issues two and three have to be have the interior pages done because I mean they released one and number two must have been pretty close to being done. I mean comic yeah. books generally work about four months in advance. So but uh so we, you know we talk about that we we talk about uh, Dreamwave's uh, bankruptcy and, and stuff like that. So it, it makes for interesting like you know juxtapose whereas Dreamwave gets Transformers and then they do this crossover and then they go bankrupt and devil's do just keeps going i mean you know it's really interesting how how well that worked how well that uh you know worked out dreamway was a well-funded company at one point and, you know didn't make it so yeah absolutely so so that's yeah. uh something there so th then uh this page here is what we call plus more when you look at the title of the book it's 2001 to 2008 and so we uh when we originally were doing the breakdown of how many pages, it turned out that we were way short of 144 pages. So that's like mm -hmm. every every book we'll do will be 144 pages. So we were way short on, on Devil's Due, ironically, even with all those alternate covers. So then we were like, well, let's throw in the fun publishing stuff. So and when you look at fun publishing, you know, like they did the con edition and then they had a retail edition it was called gi joe versus cobra and then they did over a hundred issues with original content that were to the subscription magazine wow and so it was a it's a it was a, a lot of stuff and so we were like well, let's put that in there because it's not anywhere else that's what's very interesting about it there's some of it's on yojo.com but like not anywhere else so we're like our, our book will have the first detailed 
you know, like list of all the fun publishing stuff. Now, again, that's just G.I. Joe. They were doing Transformer stuff, so we don't have any Transformers fun publishing in there for the club stuff. But I mean, like, you know, you know, the Collectors Club is a huge part of our, our world for 20 years. You know, we all got together at the conventions and, you know, they made toys and they made comics and they made all kinds of stuff. So we, we really felt like they deserved to, you know, to have a whole section. And like I said, it's probably 150 covers, probably maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 pages, something like that. So, wow. so, you know, so that's the plus more of our book, even though it's not within 2001 and 2008. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. And then in this, and then in your comprehensive era of, of other things happening at the same time at Devil's Due, we start getting into the, uh, all of the Hasbro comic packs. They, yeah, they yes. ended up releasing quite a few and, and yeah, quite, quite a lot of cool stuff there in both comics and, and toy format. Yep. They, uh, that, you know, they made original stories. They did half issues between the issues, like 21B and 32 and 36. And then they reprinted with three with three figures and they reprinted with two figures. And uh, James Cavanaugh has uh, allowed us to use his uh, figure figure photos. So we, we have really excellent photos of the figures, even though we're not a toy book. But we figured the yeah. toy pack had guns and backpacks and all such stuff. So we had to actually, you know, do a whole new design again. Roger did that to incorporate, you know, the, the comic, the comic pack. Cause well, one thing I realized as a collector was that like, I didn't have all of them in near mint. So I had to actually go buy toy packages and, and buy them as toys, even though I hadn't bought a GI Joe toy in a really long time. I'd buy comics all the time, but so I was like, Oh no, I don't have them. So I, I, uh, I had fun doing that, collecting toys again. Mm. But, uh, cool. yeah, so, you know, and again, this kind of is the example of how varied the books are um, in terms of, like, you know, what, what was sold and what, what they were printing, you know, alternate covers and, you know, toys and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So it makes the book interesting having the variety in there. Yeah, and they again, even did some – they did some – some funny things with the toys as well because they did they did a couple of like variant covers didn't they yep and and they also had some unreleased issues as well or digital only issues unreleased and digital only issues in fact so yeah um, we're, we're, it was funny as like you know the book's not finished yet so we're really debating on how to put that in there it's so difficult you know it's kind of like this the dream wave we were just talking about but like those you know digital unproduced are they official are they unofficial? You know what I mean? Like, you know, so we'll probably find a way to throw them in there, but like, it's not a feature because we're trying to stay with officially licensed Hasbro products, like not, you know, creator things and things like that. So, you know, if it wasn't officially released by Hasbro back then and has never been, you know, and some fans found it like, you know, where, where, where does that fit? It's, it's very yeah. tricky balance to, you know, when you're trying to, get collectors, you know, a book that they can collect and they can check off the box and be like, that's in my collection. And then this is not actually out there. You can only get it digitally. I mean, how do you collect it digitally? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just have to buy the iPad and slot that in your long box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or if you have some kind of like dig digital collecting system or something like that with a database and you put it in your database as a digital file or something, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so so th those things um, 
we haven't quite figured out how we'll put those in there. We'll, we'll probably find a way. There's like maybe one panel that says, hey, this is out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a thing that kind of exists. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, so so we'll get on to some of the, the Kickstarters uh, again. And in terms of updates, breaking news, we've also got the... <laughs> Uh, we've got the reveal of the uh, issue, uh, sorry, of the front cover now for volume volume two. So uh, the uh, full glorious colour uh, artwork. Uh, I think Roger Taft must have been watching our live stream and gone, <laughs> oh, yeah, I better get that out there. So as we were speaking, uh, he's done an update on the Kickstarter and posted uh, the full colour Josh Blaylock uh, art. Looks great. Great cover. Yep. So, you know, like I said, it hasn't been done since 2008. Uh, Devils do create a cover. And, of course, it'll have the logo after action report on there. But there it is. You know, and it's got, you know, Kamakura and Zorana, you know, a couple DVP created characters on there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good touch. Yeah, you've got Kamakura, obviously, sort of, appear- I think it was first issue he appeared. A, yep. A first panel. Creation. Was yep. it the first panel? First yeah. Panel. When you open uh, the yeah. open the book, that's him. He's crawling through the mud or something like that. That's right. Yeah, he's on the espionage mission yep. at the uh, Dreadnoughts uh, Swamp base in Florida. Yeah, and Zanya and uh, and that shipwreck design uh, there in, that that became quick quickly a, a firm favorite. Um, yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder if we'll get to see that shipwreck design in the toys in the classified series before too long. As they've said they're going to do a shipwreck. Um, it could it could be this one. It could it could be the uh, Devil's Due version of shipwreck rather than the uh, the the sailor bell bottom look. I mean, you know, the 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 Devil's Due era designs of the you know the characters that were you know originally from the eighty two show up all the time in toys. I mean, there's a lot of them that have you know have been inspired by the Devil's Due costumes for the same characters. You know, so you see that pretty regularly. You know, um, and again, it's not exactly, but it's designed, uh, inspired, I guess is the word. Yeah, like um, like with the snake eyes, I think they were the first ones to put the the tattoo on the as a symbol on his costume, and then that ended up get, appearing quite a few different places, inc- I think including the the movie Snake Eyes. So, ah, yeah. Well, right. speaking of the movie, so when you look at the movies. They're very much inspired by Blaylock stories. The first one, Rise of Cobra, is with the whole nanomites. That's the first four yeah. issues, right? So they took that, put that in the movie. And then the recent the Snake Eyes is very similar to uh, uh, a digest anime kind of book that Josh Blaylock did called uh, Arashikage Showdown. We're with like the the snakes and the jewel and the and, and all that stuff that's in the Snake Eyes movie comes out of that the, that Digest book. It's really crazy to read. I went back and reread it just after Snake Eyes. I've seen the movie. And I was like, holy cow! They took from Blaylock's work again. <laughs> I mean, like they have the hammer characters, but they're using Blaylock stories. It's really odd. But I guess that's you know maybe the the, the again the influence of of uh, a, a character created. You know, or from fans, you know what I mean? Like instead of Larry's original stuff where the Hollywood people are like, ah, that's, you know, let's do something different. Oh, here, this hasn't been done. So let's take from there. 
kind of mm-hmm. thing. I, I don't really know if that's true or not, but like it seems kind of like it because two of the movies are based off of his stories. And those are things that Blaylock actually wrote. Yeah. They were, yeah. So, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I got uh, I got an email from him immediately after he had watched the film because <laughs> uh-huh. we'd spoken to him. We'd spoken to him at the same time that the Snake Eyes film came out, and he was a bit like, as you say, "Holy cow, <laughs> these are my ideas that are ended up yeah. being in the movies." That's that's wild. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so Blaylock's influence is beyond, you know, just the comics. I mean, obviously, with the movies and the Hollywood writers, they're like, "Hey, I like this story. Let's put that in the movie." Yeah. Cool. Uh, right, we, we went on a bit of a detour there. We were about to start talking about stretch goals. <laughs> so uh, we're, the next one coming up will be uh, will be some dog tags at 15,000. So not too not too far away. Uh, that's nope. it, within almost touching distance. Yeah, uh, th- these are the actual pictures of the real stuff. And it's kind of like a giveaway kind of thing, you know. So dog tags, G.I. Joe. Uh, it's a stretch goal. And we have beyond this dog tags. We have a couple more stretch goals. We're going to, just like we did with the, um, the front, uh, the, uh, volume one. And I, I believe actually behind you, uh, you have a couple of the prints that we did for That's the right, volume yeah. one. Um, uh, so we're doing the same thing with, uh, the sketch cover of Blaylock's, uh, half finished and then the full color one. So those will be prints. And then the final one, we're doing a, if we get to 20,000, so everybody there, uh, uh, go up your backing um, so we can get to the <laughs> 20,000 stretch goal. Um, and it will be a metal bookmark that is the 40th anniversary of uh, G.I. Joe Comics. So that nice. will be a very unique little uh, stretch goal. You don't see metal bookmarks too much, but you know what? We are selling a book, so <laughs> it works. Good, Good stuff. Cool. Uh, so that was us. That was that was my prompts for for volume two. Um, any any more thoughts on on volume two before we sort of wrap up that? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're very excited that it funded so fast, and part proud to be part of the Joe community of writers and books and all this stuff. And thank everybody for supporting us. Uh, I mean, you know, it's going to be another book packed with a lot of information, and we have more books coming. We got volume three, which is Larry Hammond's IDW, Real American Hero, and then Volumes 4 and Volume 5 will be international books. And then if people want more, maybe we'll go into the IDW, you know, Hasbro Universe books. But right now, the international international ones will probably be the 2024. Uh, and that's a whole nother wild ride of making a book. And we got a bunch <laughs> of people from a bunch of different countries helping us because, like, Roger and I can mostly do the the volumes one two and three but no way can we do volumes four and five by ourselves just too many people too many books published everywhere and we've recently discovered that uh gi joe idw hasbro universe comics are being published in other languages we discovered them in Uh dutch and turkish just in the last like month so it's like oh my god not only is it hard enough to do the 80s stuff but now we gotta track down modern stuff so that'll be very (laughs) fun and those books will, you know, I, I, I can't expect as many people to be interested in those, but like, it's clearly like one of these like untapped areas of GI Joe history that nobody's really talked about much. Um, you know, I mean, international toys are well documented and for a long time, but not the comic. Yeah. 
And they were doing, you know, comics in 1982 were coming out in French, you know, in Canada. So it's, you know, it's been with G.I. Joe the whole time in other languages. It Devil's Do even has a few in Spanish. Uh-huh. That you're came gonna, out. It sounds like you're going to send a whole bunch of people on, on a crazy uh, treasure yes. hunt once yes. this book comes out. <laughs> yes. And they're already like, like the guy who found the, the Dutch names Rob Arts found the Dutch uh, and then is now tracking down the Turkish ones was, is like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally over here in Europe hunting for G.I. Joe comic books that are new on the shelves. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, really? Seriously? That's crazy. So that's, <laughs> that, that, that's really what's uh, for Roger and I, you know, from a long time I started as soon as, you know, probably in 2002, I started finding international comics, starting with those Action Force UK ones, Battle Action Force, and then, oh, oh my God, they're in other languages, they're in Canada, you know. So I was collecting way back when, when it was easy to find them on, on eBay. Now it's hard to find them. So I have a lot of them, and Roger has a lot of them, and we don't really have a lot of crossover. So we're like, okay, we can put these in the books, and then we ask other people, like, yeah, I have this. And I'm like, I don't have that. Can I buy from you? No. But we'll put it in the book. <laughs> so, so I, I guess the some of the appeal of, of the different books sort of is almost for, for different reasons. Like for for me, seeing uh the original vo volume one uh book, it's it's just great to see those iconic covers just all together in the you know in the right order because I'm you know constantly sort of trying to particularly with the podcast and things trying to think back to what which was which which issue issue number uh and and all of that kind of stuff so i'm just you know always happy to look back at those those classic covers and and the reading order for them was was not too complicated you know you started with right. issue one and you ended up with wish you 155 and there was a few you know special missions and various things in between but for the most part fairly straightforward if you just wanted to you know collect collect things without going too far into collecting all of the different printings and things whereas once you get into to, to the for example like the idw hasbro verse like that you that you talked about then and you know then you're getting into a crazy world of you know just the volume of different series and what's the right reading order and when they came out and never never mind all of the different variant covers it's a, a whole world of complexity and yeah then i guess in and for the after action reports, like we don't have plans to do that, those books, because honestly, we don't know how much demand there is. I mean, like, you know, are there going to, you know, Real American Hero, Marvel and Devils Do, they have a lot of fans. But, you know, the Hasbro Universe stuff, I don't know if they have enough fans for us to devote a year to do those books. But mm. ultimately, why we chose to do the international books is because it's Roger and I's passion. And even if people aren't as interested, it's clearly very unique. And the, the amount of variety of books and, you know, from China and, you know, Indonesia and, you know, Greece and Turkey and Middle East and all the South American countries. I mean, so many, so much variety. They were just like, <laughs> like, ah, who cares? Let's, you know, in the 80s, there's no Internet. So nobody knows, you know, nobody's ever going to find this book. Well, and now we find it, but because we have the Internet and eBay. But uh, at the time, you know, the, the the Hasbro or I think it was actually more Marvel was like way more loose on what was allowed. Because, again, you know, you, you know, if you made a book in South America in the 1980s, it never made it to America. You know, mm. now it does. But uh, 
So, so that was, so it's very interesting. And that's why we're hoping those books, people will be, will follow up with Kickstarter for that one too. I mean, we, we're not going to expect the gangbusters of the other ones, but like it's a passion project, the whole thing anyway. So everything with act, after action reports, all passion. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, do you, um, do you have, uh, you know, you sold off your your childhood comics collection. You you, you kept it with GI Joe, but have you spread out into into comics since? What's your what's your comic collecting looking like beyond just the world of GI Joe? Um, I I collect uh, Star Wars comics, but I don't collect everything. I'm not a completist for that. I just try to get as many of the stories because I like the continuity and I'm a big Star uh-huh. Wars fan. Um, so it's more about the story. So I just get whatever issue I can find usually. And, I, you know, that's the, the, all the Disney stuff. I don't have pre-Disney comics. Just I've mostly been getting the since 2015. But I don't get them all. And I don't get every series. But other than that, you know, I, I, you know, I don't have any other comics of any other consequence unless they're like that Deadpool homage cover to, you know, number 21. Right. Stuff like that. <laughs> so I'll so pick you know, up you- those. But, it uh, sounds fortunate that you you've not. It sounds like you've not. You're not one of these people that that sold your childhood collection and then have, have spent the next twenty years trying to get get buy it all back again. So you've not tried to uh, go back and buy the the issues that you no, that you sold that, back in two thousand and one or whatever that, it was. That real American hero Marvel number one. That's the first comic in the first box of mine was bought way back when when I was ten years old, and uh, still with me my whole life now that I almost turned 50 in a month uh <laughs> you know uh, I, I was joking with my dad the other day and i was like it's all your fault like you're the one who took me to the comic shop and you're also the one who took me to star wars in 1977 i blame you for all of it and then he laughs and he goes you had so much fun and of course my dad has been helping edit the books uh both volume one nice. and volume two so and he you know he's a retired minister so he's been a lot of time you know, writing and stuff. So we send him in like within like 20 minutes, he's back. He, he sent it back to both me and Roger. And we're like, shit, that was fast. Like I'm not ready to edit it yet. <laughs> but, uh, so he's helped out a lot, but like he, he started it all for me, both for Star Wars and GI Joe. So, and you know, that's a very common story. You know, the fathers took the kids and the kids just love it. And now they're adults and taking their kids and you know, all kinds of stuff like that, you know? So, so, yeah, yeah. my dad problems. took me to Star Wars, and my dad bought me my first issue of Battle Action Force back in the day. Oh, wow. <laughs> so your Battle Action Force was the first. Yeah, that, I ha- yeah. I have all those, and I, I I read them all, and I even read some of those like secondary stories that are not related to GI Joe at all. Like that's yeah, stuff great. very violent and like really <laughs> cool. But like way out of the realm for kids that you know, especially modern day age. But back then, I don't think they cared. They're like, yeah, whatever. It's war. Like the the you know the Generation X kids, they're tough. <laughs> yeah, we were exposed. We were exposed to the horrors of the Somme in the uh, yeah Charlie's War. Yeah. By, um, yeah. Just that one of the best. Yeah, one of the best. I guess comic strips ever published in Britain. That that it's um astonishing piece of work. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, yeah. it's mixed in with a toy, <laughs> a, a toy property. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, so, we, didn't, we didn't get we didn't get toys of Charlie Charlie's War of like dead soldiers and a playset of like 
uh, a trench <laughs> filled with rats and yeah, yeah. And bombs, <laughs> bomb holes and everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was dark stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot. Yeah. And so, uh, and yeah, kind of uh, actually timely. It's it's being brought back this month with a special. Uh, written by Garth Ennis and uh, a series of uh, A-class artists. Uh, Not specifically Charlie's War, but uh, I think they're doing a battle action uh, special, which brings back uh, some of the strips from uh, battle and and action. Nice. I mean, it's a a very, it's like, I always looked at battle action forces like a cousin of real American hero. You know what I mean? It's kind of like they're in the family, but like they're, you know, not really in the family kind of yeah. thing <laughs> but kind of got to squint a little bit to uh, to see yeah. to see <laughs> but, but they're yeah. so unique and you know they it's very much a glimpse of the time period and we, we are but like a I'm assuming you're familiar with blood for the bear and that website yeah. James Marshall so we're not really doing uh battle action force but in in the um the european volume 4 we're going to spend some time talking about it but we're not going to break it down Per mm-hmm. history, definitely have to acknowledge the UK universe in the international books because I mean it's an ex- expansive and extensive section. Not only you know the actual Flint and Snake Eyes characters, but you know the other guys too from the um, you know like Blades and all them. Like you know they have a pretty extensive history. And of course, the, you know the Collectors Club acknowledged them, so they're definitely yeah. a big part of the history. Yeah, it's uh, good. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's very much his own thing, but um, but yeah, very a uh, very enjoyable, enjoyable, and yeah, we, I'd sort of look forward to that getting posted through my letterbox once a week because our local like news agent. I don't know if that's a term that that you guys would use, like um, uh, like a corner shop. They'd they'd sort of do a round, and the the kind of the equivalent of the paper boys. They'd be they'd do an, okay. a, a regular round, and they'd you know. Uh, deliver the daily newspaper and the you know any magazines that you'd subscribe to so a lot of the uh, uk uh, editions of weekly comics like battle action force they'll often have a, a house number drawn uh, sort of scribbled in pencil or in pen in the in the corner of the book so uh in yeah a lot of a lot of copies of of uh, the comic you'll find either a house number or a name um, because that's how you know that's how they 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 did it when they delivered it so that they knew which address to send it to of course they're not thinking about trying to keep it mint for collectors who want to look at it 20 I mean, years later or whatever what like if i if, if i find an international comic that's in gi joe i don't care the condition give it to me send it to me i'm buying it you know no cover cover torn cover like it doesn't matter because you just can't find them near mint or, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you'd never be able to get a CGC 9.8, you know, international comic, <laughs> you know, all these hunters who are hunting for those 9.8s would be like, you know, Oh, well, I don't want it. Cause it's not 9.8. I'm like, I want it. Cause it's like cool. And, it's in another language. and then they're like, well, you can't read it. I'm like, are you trying to make fun of me? Cause I'm a international comic collector. Like I'm a nerd making fun of me. And they're like, uh, well, you know, and so it's pretty funny how that works, you know, in terms of like collecting international stuff. And you know, like the, the, this has been our debate with the scans of the covers for the international. Like they're all some of them are not not in very good condition. Do we go in there with like Photoshop and fix them to make them mm. look nice or do we leave them all bent and creased and 
ultimately mm-hmm. we're like, you know what? That's just how they come. So we'll, we'll put them in there. If we can find a better version some point somewhere. But, you know, there's a few that are pretty beat up. And when you look at the scan, you're like, why is that in there? But, hey, it's, <laughs> you know, it's just the nature of comic collecting in international books. So it's, yeah. it falls into that whole category of like, you know, where, where, you know, where do you draw a line? Like, do you, you know, do you digitally change something? You know, I mean, like, like, like you were talking about with like the, the Cheney and the trade paperback. You know what I mean? Like where, where, you know, Disney Plus has been changing star wars stuff the disney plus stuff that's on like <laughs> new hope and stuff like that are a little bit different versions than what were in other versions that lucas made and it's like really come on like how do you know yeah, so, yeah you're, you're coming down the side of not not, not wanting gi joe to be mcclunkified yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's like a new word i heard that the other day just like i heard the new word evergreen uh, which is like where you know these properties that came about in the 80s and 70s are now like going to live forever you know like yeah. an evergreen tree and I, it's the same kind of thing you know what i mean it's like okay so they keep modifying and changing more star wars more teenage mutants so it's going to outlive everybody all all the original fans but what's cool about generation x is we got to be the origin originators of that and then because we're in our 50s now and we're like buying all this stuff we're going to keep it going for other generations and that was all just stuff that we were just kids buying you know what i mean so it's very interesting to look at it that way like all of a sudden now these properties are never gonna go away you know you know in 20 21 50 the you know gi joe will still be around in whatever form it's in star wars will be you know on episode 550 or something yeah so but and it's cool because like that's our generation you know we got to experience that stuff as kids and make it last forever as adults so and hopefully gi joe will will always be around i think it will be yeah and and let's let's sort of talk about some highlights from from gi joe let's um let's start with devil's due because we're talking about it for for the book so so um for me you know when when we got to 2001 and G.I. Joe came back. It was like a sort of a lightning bolt and sort of reawoken my interest in, in comics and, and sort of just, uh, I was so, so excited month to month for the next issue. And I was back on, on the boards, uh, every day. Um, and, and now I'm reading it through, uh, with, uh, with Tim and Tim and Jay. Yeah. Those are really great shows. Uh, by the way. <laughs> thank you. And, and we're, you know, we can be hard on it, but, but, you know, we're trying to be objective with it, but, um, it's not to say we don't love G.I. Joe. It's just we can sometimes be a bit tough in terms of our standards. The, the, um, but the passion is there, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and uh, and so it's yeah, it's interesting coming back to back to, to read them because I haven't really actually done a full, you know, a read through and re- sort of revisited all of that stuff since the since it actually came came out. And I'm trying not to peek too far ahead so that I'm kind of experiencing it in real time. And and uh, and it, it's not just, you know. A sort of uh, recycling of of kind of emotion. It is kind of right. trying to have it kind of uh, be a, a kind of a real reaction to to something that that I've read uh, just only recently. Um, so that's that's been a really interesting experience. So what what I guess um, for for you how how have you gone back and reread them read them multiple times? I know you did the all of those reviews for for Yo Joe and stuff. So we've probably spent a lot more time on them than than, than I have. But did 
doing this exercise? Was it was it similar in terms of you know coming to them from after a little while, or or it, it, do you just know them that well that that it, it didn't fit, have that same sort of experience? Well, for volume one, I mean, obviously that's the real American hero, and we all read those like, a thousand times as a kid, and you know, kind of towards the nineties, you might forget some stories. So we we tried to put summaries of each episode of or each comic issue yeah. in, into the book, but it wasn't always, you know, the stories weren't always that interesting that we needed. So we put fun facts for volume one. Um, so I, you know, of course, I, I, I'm honestly would, would take my comics out, scan the cover and then put it back in the bag and then go on Yo Joe and read the summaries and be like, I think I'm missing <laughs> something. And then I, I was kind of like, you read the it. summaries and this guy knows his stuff. I like yeah, this guy. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I think I'm missing something a little more important now. Cause you know, you're when I was doing those at the time, I would do them as they came out. So I wrote them with no past knowledge or forward knowledge or whatever, okay. you know, like whatever hmm. they were doing. So a lot of times what I would do uh, for volume two um, was just kind of like, you know, throwing a spoiler like all right here this is this character's gonna be important when you know on the summary on yo joe i had no idea it was gonna be an important character you know what i mean kind of thing mm -hmm. like that i mean like don marino in the id the current idw stuff is kind of a perfect example how she's just blowing up and become a massive character so mm -hmm. like you have to incorporate all the little things that larry was throwing in with her before she was a massive character so it's kind of the same thing uh and we just you know obviously you know, we're not putting in the word spoiler, but there is spoilers. So, um, and, and we felt like the, the fans knew the Marvel stories really well. So we didn't have to go into great detail in the summaries. Um, and for devil's do we're, we're putting summaries in there for each issue, but they're short, but for the IDW one fifty five to 300, we're putting full summaries and lots of story content. Cause we know that people are, haven't really read them that much, maybe once, or twice. So mm -hmm. we, we really feel like for volume three, the summary of the story has become more important than the fun facts and the other things that the volumes one and volume two had that the fans know more of. And of course, you know, with history, with 40 years of comics and with real American hero on Marvel and then 21 years now of devil's do like, there's been a lot of knowledge, but you know, you know, Larry's been writing, you know, for 12 years with IDW. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of story there and, you know, so. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the other thing, the other thing about the, the sort of the story summary for those issues is that, um, you know, for, for the Marvel era, for, for the, even the devil's due era, you could look at a cover and then you could kind of go, all right, I know what, you know, that cover relates to the story. I can kind of, you know, remember yeah. what the story would be based on the cover. Whereas for, for IDW uh, era, the, the cover, the cover is quite often not really related to what goes on inside in the book. So, so I'll be looking at the, an issue and be, I have no idea what happens in this issue, this issue until I flip it, flip it open and actually see the, the story because the cover is just a picture of the Baroness or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's funny because earlier on the, uh, talking here, I was telling how, like, you know, I did volume three, one fifty five to uh and a half to two fifty. And as I was going through those, you know, like say 175, I was like, I didn't even remember what was happening in the story. So that's why I was like, all right, I'm putting the summaries in there. And so now I feel like I'm really well versed in the IDW stuff because I was like, I just spent, you know, 
quite a few weeks editing, you know, and again, I had written him for Yo Joe and I still was like, I don't remember this, but now I have <laughs> a really, really, I feel like I have a pretty strong grasp of the storyline. Um, you know, and I don't really think too many of us adult GI Joe comic collecting fans have invested in Larry's intricate stories. We, you know, uh, that we probably should have, but you know, it, we're, you know, we're fifties in our fifties now. We're not in our, you know, we're not teenagers or under 10, you know, being like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going to read it like 25 times. You read it once, put it in a bag and board and stick it in a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and that the, like I said, for volume three, you'll definitely be able to go through and research all the summaries for the, each issue in a different way than you will for volumes one and volumes two. Interesting. Interesting. And, uh, and so, let's let's do uh let's do a best of uh so so what's your what kind of your favorite moments story moments from uh from the original marvel run the devil's due run and then the more recent idw era so uh i i always love the the number 61 the joe's getting captured and sent to the gulag and then oh you know that they show up the snake eyes and storm shadow and uh, you know to, to go rescue stalker and the, the reunion moment and you know of course that's like 61 so you know how connected stalker is to storm shadow and snake eyes through vietnam and all that stuff and it's just a really great moment i always love that series and it's hard to argue with that number 61 cover in the spotlight with you know the injured joes and firing back it's like you know i think that's a mike zek cover too so uh yeah yeah uh, that was always my favorite storyline from the real American hero time. And then I loved uh, in America's elite, the sins of a mother with Baroness having a child and just going uh-huh. utter- utterly crazy, trying to get a <laughs> kid back. And Destro's like, this lady's insane. She's not really my wife, but she's the mother of my kid. And uh, we actually talked where we interview Mark powers for a volume two. And um, he came to G.I. Joe in a very different way than almost everybody else that we've interviewed. And he, that was his story arcs. And he wasn't really a writer. He was more of an editor. But I love that one. It's just so different. You know what I mean? Like, G.I. Joes don't have kids. Um, and, you know, what, what would a parent do for a baby? Well, if you're a psychotic, you know, serial sniper killer, you <laughs> kill everybody, right? <laughs> they do it in the movies. Why not in the comics? So I always thought that's yeah. good. And uh, and for uh, the real uh, IDW stuff, I love the Don Marino character. I think it's a fantastic uh, you know mix. You put you know, you get this you know teenage girl. You stick you know this super silent, deadly killer in there, and then he can talk. You know what I mean? Like finally give Snake Eyes words in a in a legitimate way. I think that's been really cool. I really like her as a character. Um, her story arc is, you know, it's all over the place, kind of like how how it goes with Larry when he's making his stuff up. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I've really enjoyed her as a character. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, and he's, he's not, it's not been t- totally forgotten about. There was a, yeah, a good, interesting issue all about sort of Dawn re-experiencing those kind of memories and the trauma yeah. of having that, which was, uh, was that... 292 i think on Somewhere. the train yeah uh yeah just recent two, re- recent issue this yeah, year recent issue anyway uh-huh. um yeah yeah a good one i mean yeah, nice. like, like think about that like a 
you know, I think she's like 18 or now, but I think when she got the memory, she was 16 or something mm -hmm. like that. And like, imagine that having being a 16 year old and having like war memories from Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just a crazy concept that totally works, but like it, it has really allowed Larry to kind of go back into, you know, that I think it was like 286 or something where it was the issue where Stalker talks to about how he met Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow pre the LLRP's you know storyline that happens in number 26 and it was like very mm -hmm. cool like to see that stuff and I'm hoping that here as they reach 300 that they throw more of that out there but I'm not sure if he'll do that or not but it'd be very cool to get a whole bunch of backstory stuff but I mean like yeah. that's the kind of stuff that like I found that when Larry does that, that's that's the the best stories um uh, in during the IDW stuff. I mean, he's done some really cool ones where they're like, you know, the snow joes or the desert joes or the tank joes mm -hmm. or whatever. And those are pretty cool. Those are usually like one offs or maybe two issues. I like I like those two. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really I, think... I didn't I think I'm like most people, I didn't really like all the blue ninja stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I think we we had. I think most of us felt like we we probably had enough of the blue ninjas and and probably enough of the brainwave scanner. But yeah, um, you know, with within all of that, there's there's some definite gold. Um, and and yeah, maybe that the sort of the blue blue ninjas kind of, uh, you know, make people remember of that because it you know it happened they appeared so frequently, but, but sort of in, in between some of those moments there, there's some definite highlights. There's some, you know, really yeah. great moments like the, for me, I love the, the couple of is is issues that they had with the black major and the red shadows and the yep. robo skull when they're out at sea and they're storming the boat and stuff. Those are, I think those are just as good, you know, up there and as good as, as anything. So there's, there's some, you know, re really strong work um, from, from Larry uh, and crew, uh, in the IDW era, and uh, yeah, it's a shame that uh, maybe not not as many eyes are, have been on it as as really it kind of merits. But um, hopefully, hopefully, it'll continue to uh, to find uh, its audience as we yeah. I think there's well, going to be a lot of excitement as we sort of get get up to the grand three hundred. Yeah, and there's another thing that's interesting and happening in the entire comic industry is like, you know, even like Batman is only printing like 100,000 copies or something like that each month. It's like that's so few out there. And you figure, you know, maybe a quarter of them or less than a quarter of them are damaged or destroyed or something like that. So, you know, like and most of those are just going in a box in somebody's collection and they're just not out on the shelves to be found. You know, mm. and it's, it's very interesting how. Maybe ten years from now, with you know GI Joe only printing like ten thousand copies, you know per issue, like those things might be worth a ton of money because there's just not yeah. that many that were even printed in the first place, much less come out of a collection or found. And they, I'm, I'm talking about like an A cover, not like some retail exclusive that yeah. only printed yeah. a thousand. You know, so I, I think that the you know the the comic industry. And maybe not so much for GI Joe, but definitely for like Spider Man and all these that where they're so low print runs for the main series are just gonna skyrocket and be like so hard to find. Um, and I think that's just you know the future generations who collect that stuff are just gonna have to pay a lot of money to find them, and they probably will be more protected. But it's just the interesting aspect of where comics are going now. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you're not wrong there. Even uh, I, I would pity someone who uh, who's let their IDW GIRA kind of subscription lapse or whatever, and uh, and they're trying to go back and and recollect them all. <laughs> Particularly yeah. if they wanted to go down the the, the variant rabbit hole, uh, that would be an enormous undertaking. Um, yeah, I, it, yeah. Uh, I'm glad that I've been buying them as I've been going along because yeah. uh, I, don't, <laughs> I think it would be a bit of an eye-watering prospect to try and track down everything. And like you say, even the even the A covers can be quite hard to find if you've if you've not got it that month. Um, they just particularly in the UK where I think they really only order for people who have it. You know, specifically have requested it. They uh-huh. don't, necessarily, don't buy very many for the shelves or to put in the back you know back back issue bins. So, I'm pretty uh, sure that's got, happened happening in america also it's it's very similar i think that's the exact same in america i mean obviously there's more comic shops but you know that that is a what the way it's going i mean i'm lucky because i my comic shop that when i moved to california in 2002 they became my shop it's called house of secrets in burbank and for you know now 20 years they've been keeping my comic books even though i don't live in california anymore i lived in a lot of different places and they just ship them to me even before they like you know covid and all this stuff so like i got pretty lucky with that where it's been very easy for me to do as you say like to get most of the covers and retail incentives and stuff like that because they get it but even now they're they were telling me they go yeah we, we used to have like 15 people that bought gi joe every month and we're down to five now mm-hmm. so they don't even get the retail incentives so i gotta go hunt them but you know and they're like, yeah, we, we know G.I. Joe. Every G.I. Joe cover that comes out goes to Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Very and good. Course- yeah, you need to you need to make friends with uh with uh yeah, as you say, a retailer, and that's the that's the best and make sure that they put it aside every month. That's the that's the best way to do it. It is. It's cheap too. I mean, you know, it's only the cover price, and sometimes they even give discounts. So I'm always like, yeah, why yeah, yeah, and that you know, they they charge me the higher price for the retail incentive and then give a discount. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so Excellent. But it, it was actually pretty special when I, I, I went into my shop to buy my comics. I was in California just a couple months ago and I brought them the volume one and I signed it. And of course, you know, th- those comics for volume one, I, I didn't live there at the time, but for volume two, the comic shop that I still get my comics at are, the, the devil's do issues that are in my boxes I got at that comic shop and then I scanned them and put them in the book so it'll be really special to bring them volume two and be like here's your comics in the book <laughs> that's nice that's a, that's a long term relationship there yeah definitely definitely and they survived COVID and everything so they, 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 they're they're thriving now they said they're actually doing better COVID. so it's a very you know I think the you know the the world is doing 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 different for comics and of course as you said earlier like you know every every day there's some other comic book show to watch excellent okay so i think you've uh, i've got to get the kids to bed you've probably got a drive ahead of you <laughs> i do i do i gotta go back on so, but it was oh, fantastic talking with you and i like I, great I talk think, with you like you know so 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 few people I can just have like long conversations with comics about because most of the time they run out of knowledge and I'm like I can keep going but like with you, with you <laughs> it, it's like you know neither one of us is gonna run out of knowledge so 
keep up yeah. the, keep up the shows and you know keep up the agile comics because there's only a few of us doing it and yeah. we, need, <laughs> we need those toy guys it's, to really start helping with comics <laughs> yeah you toy guys you get out and read the comics too they need the numbers <laughs> but um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if if we're known for one thing, it's uh, it's not running out of things to talk about with uh, with talking Joe. That's for sure. Um, and I think with that, we will give a reminder. Check out the uh, After Action Report uh, Kickstarter. The links are there at AfterActionReport.net few days to go get your orders in um look forward to, to seeing the book when it comes out so that big thanks to josh and uh the sign out there is nobody beats talking joe am i gonna sing it an international podcast of <laughs> <laughs> <G>. joe comics <laughs> there we go laters have a That was Who great, is? man. Cool. I, I love, I love, I love. I, I can sit here all day long. I'm like, keep going. <laughs> Looks like you got a good spot. Yeah, yeah. But there's not too many people in the park, so. But I had the five cool. G the whole time. I just hope, uh, hope the wind wasn't too much. <laughs>